This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Welcome back. This, whew, there we go. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, Brandon. Thanks, sir. Um, I, I am pumped to, to be here. So uh, I've got some books and this fancy guy that Mike got for me. I'm put my foot right there and just chill. It's great. Um, and if you're new here, uh, we, we just, our hope is that you feel welcome um, and that you feel welcome right where you are uh, to explore who God is. Um, no one's in the same place. None of us have arrived. In uh, Philippians 3, Paul says, the apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he's like, I haven't, haven't made it there yet. If Paul hasn't made it, none of us have. And so it's great wherever, wherever you are, you're exactly where you need to be today, and we're so glad that you're here. Um, and and we, we believe that these are God's words, and so when we preach, we're going to preach from here. Um, we're not going to, you know, come with a good story and then hopefully find a verse that fits that story. We want to start with the scripture and let it tell us how to then communicate and what to do. Uh, and so that, that's just kind of what we're going to do during this time. I, I will uh, try to be quicker. Um, especially because we've got kids here. I, I told Stephanie I was just going to get a bag of Skittles and like throw them at kids um, as we're going. But then I still thought it was a good idea, but that's probably not the most sanitary or healthy thing. Um, so, so we won't do that. Um, but Psalm 46 is where we're going to be today. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to it. If you don't have a Bible, the verses will be on the screens. If I, I should say hello to the overflow room back yonder. I don't know if anybody's there or not. I can't see you. I proposed like tearing out this wall and putting in like racquetball courts. Um, well, Adam said racquetball windows. Thank you, Adam. And the kind of the accordion style thing, but uh, this isn't really our building, so we don't get to make that call. Um, but if you're out there, hello, welcome. If you're watching online, um, we realize that for many, they're still just taking it step by step. You know, maybe there's not the comfort of, of being in person. That's all right. Welcome. We're glad that you are joining us as well. Uh, but Psalm 46, if you have a Bible, we'll be there. The verses will be on the screen. There's also Bibles at the, the table here and out there. If you don't own one, I invite you to grab it, take it. If you've got some friends that don't have one, take it and give it away. Um, we are great spending our budget by giving Bibles to people. So um, by all means, take them. Uh, we would love for people to have them. Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So at the end of 2019, uh, Stephanie and our kids, we were at a, a New Year's Eve party, and, and the consensus of, of the conversation was like, good riddance 2019. Um, I, I don't know if anybody else felt that way, but there was like this kind of collective, like, oh, finally, 2019 was brutal, you know? And, and I had someone tell me that the, I, I didn't quite follow, but something with the gravitational pull of the moon 
being different in 2020 meant that like we as humanity would have a better year in 2020. <laughs> Dead serious. I, 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 don't, I didn't follow it, but that, and I'm like, man, the moon missed that one. Um, because I don't know that I've ever experienced a more unsettling, unrestful, uncertain time in my life. I, I'm not the oldest person in the world, but I've, I've asked many people around, and they're like, no, they, like, we've had stuff, but this is just a collective unsettling across the board. The whole world is, is affected at, at this point um, that, that things are just not how it's supposed to be. You know, there is a, a, a health scare everywhere. On top of that, right, then we have racial tensions that I, I've never experienced before in, in my life like this. I've never seen a, a boiling point hit to this place where it just unloads and, and hurts from past years and new hurts. And there's just also like, what are we thinking, right? There's just this point where it's like all, all common sense and decency has just left the window. Um, and, and so you've got that. You've got a political hostility that is just unbelievable. Um, I'm praying that someone steps in that is not so focused on their agenda that they just look at the good of the whole and says, all right, we're going to do what's best for everybody. Um, and, and so we just got, it is tense. And that's at the, the national level, right? Then we can bring it down. And I guarantee we at an individual level are all affected, right? Whether it's, you know, our our plans of how we would do school or work are completely different. Um, whether our, we've got loved ones who are sick or who have died from COVID or from other complications, job loss, financial ruin, right? You've got anxiety and depression at an all-time high. I have a buddy who's a police officer, and he said, man, the, the racial stuff has, has kind of settled, but right now they're getting calls all the time from, from suicide and from depression and from just a darkness within the soul of people from, from this season. It's just a, it is a time of, of trial and despair and, and unrest. And this is unfortunately the reality for all of us, right? We, we live in a broken world where broken things happen. And, and we all know that from, from a young age. We just know that everything's not how it's supposed, something's off, right? Like something is, is not right. And, and that's just what we, we live in. The psalmist says here in verse, or chapter 46, verse you know, two and three, he, he talks about that reality that, you know, though the earth gives way, right? The, the ground beneath your feet just kind of gives way. The, the, the steady foundation of life that you've known, it just, it just kind of crumbles. Though the, the waters be tossed into the heart of the sea, or the mountains into the heart of the sea, the, the waters roar and foam, right? Like, the psalmist is saying, though the world around you crumbles, though, though everything that you knew was safe and normal shatters. I, I mentioned the other day about like taking a step, and it was in, in one of the sermons. Like when we walk, we're not thinking, man, I really hope that, that my next step, actually, that the ground stays put. No one is going to stand up and think, gosh, I hope that the, the ground doesn't give way beneath my feet here. Not a single one of us is thinking about that sitting in our chair because it's, it's a certainty, Right, like it's, this is the safe world we live in. The, the walls are up, it, everything's fine, except for all of us, in one way or another, the walls of life will crumble at some point. Our worlds will be shattered. The safety of things that we know, like all, it, it is, I mean, that, that's just coming for us. And, and I don't want to be the downer, but it's, 
it's coming in deeper and more powerful ways than I think we can even imagine. Because we live in a broken world where the most stable thing, the, the ground beneath our feet, the most certain thing is not actually all that certain. And, and I'm certain we all know that already. We, we all know the hurt and the trial and, and what the psalmist is talking about here when everything falls apart. But I don't want to talk so much on that because we, we know that. We, we get that. We live in this world. What I want to talk about is the hope that we get in this psalm as well. Because at the beginning of verse 2, he says, therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way beneath my feet, right? Though the, though the mountains be thrown into the ocean, though the world is crumbling and burning around me, though everything is falling apart, though, though college is harder than I thought, though my friends betrayed me, though my marriage and family is struggling, though my loved ones are dying, though there's tension and there's unrest everywhere, though everything may be falling apart, he says we will not fear. So here's the thing, we all know that we live in a broken world, we all also want to have this confidence. Right, we wanna know that when everything is pressing in and struggling, we're, gonna, we're not gonna fear, we're gonna be okay. I, I struggled with this um, because I'm, a, uh, I'm kind of a perfectionist in many ways, and so I read this and I'm like, I was, I was talking to my counselor and I was like, hey, I fear though, like, so I don't know, what to, I feel like I'm disobeying this because I, I'm afraid. And he said, it's not so much that we're going to not have the emotion of fear. Like, there's still going to be that adrenaline, that, that rush, that, that physiological emotion of fear. What he's talking about is that it's not going to control us. That, that there's a fear that will come. Jesus was afraid, right? He's praying in the garden before the crucifixion. Blood is sweating out of his pores because he is so stressed and anxious about what's to come. There's a fear, but yet he moves forward in obedience, in confidence. That's what he's talking about here. Not that you're not gonna have that heart pounding, butterflies in the stomach, I don't know that I can do this, I don't know that I wanna, wanna take the step, I don't know that I wanna leap, but that in spite of those fears, we're gonna have a confidence and a steadfastness and a joy even to move forward. That's the, that's the confidence that the psalmist has. That's what no doubt we all want. We don't, we don't keep our head in the sand. We want to know, okay, hard times are coming, but I, am not, I don't have to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to move forward. So how? What is the confidence here? Here's what's true for every one of us, is that we're all going to have things in our life that, that cause us to be afraid. What overcomes this fear is when we have trust in someone or something that's bigger than the fear. That, that's what overcomes this fear over here, right? I'll, I'll give you an example, and I've, t I've said this before, but it's just the best thing I can think of. Um, when Molly, our daughter here, um, hey Molly, you give her what? Nope, she's like, nope, don't do this. Um, when she was two or three, I don't fully remember, uh, she, she ran, went to a pool party for a friend, and she was like just eager beaver, ready to go. And so she didn't put on a floaty or anything or wait for mom or dad to be ready. She just took off into a hot tub that's like the, it didn't have a ledge. It was just like built into the ground. And so literally she's just running and just boop, straight down, right? Like head completely submerged. And so I, I, I run over there, and I, can, I mean, I can still visualize her. She's, she's literally just kind of like, her hands are like this, and she's looking out of the water, and she doesn't know what to do. She's just beneath the water, and she's like, I, I don't know. So I just reached in and grabbed her, saved the day, you know, I'm <laughs> hero dad. Um, 
But, but the thing is, she was scared to jump, to get in the pool, right? So this little hot pool, as she called it, um, was killing her. Like she was sinking beneath the, the waves of the hot tub. The pool is like 20 times bigger. Why in the world would she get in the pool when the, the little round hot tub was, was unsafe for her? And so us wanting our kids to be able to swim in life, we were like, hey, no, no, we're not going to do this. So Stephanie and I get in the pool, right? And we've probably all seen this. We walk up to the edge and we're like, come on. Like, jump in, we will catch you. Mom and dad are not going to let, look, we're standing, the water like comes up to our belly, it's okay. We're not gonna let you sink. And so eventually, like, it, it wasn't instant, it took some time, like there was the, and she jumped, right? We caught her, and we're like, ah, you did it, yeah! You know, we're freaking out, and she's like, okay. So we put her back up, and we're like, come on, do it again. You know, and so oh, a few times over and over, she, she gets a little braver, a little more comfortable, a little more comfortable. We back up a little bit. We let her hit the water. We catch her. So it's that progressive thing. But here's the thing. What, what changed about the pool? Nothing. She could have still drowned in that pool. The pool was still, it, it was deeper than she was tall. It was still unsafe. She could have jumped in and gone beneath the waves and drowned. So why was she jumping in? Because for at least a while, she wasn't jumping into the pool. She was jumping to her mom and dad, to someone that was bigger than the fear. And so she had a confidence to take this step because there was someone there that loved her and was bigger than her fear and would not let her fall, would not let her sink. And so it's the same thing, right? When, when we have a fear of anything, we're afraid of the dark, man, well, let's turn a light on. We're gonna look for something or someone that is bigger than our fear. The question becomes, when the world is crashing in and when the fears are pressing around and when everything's going, coming undone, what are you going to turn to? What are you, we're going to look to something. Most often, I think we look in, inside and we're like, gosh, Don, I'm gonna you know, pick myself up by my bootstraps and I'm gonna go get this done. I'm gonna take care of it. I'm gonna hustle. I'm gonna grind. I know that we got knocked down, but I'm gonna get myself back up. Well, what happens when we just don't have the energy anymore, right? I mean, sometimes, and for me, my personality, I'm gonna look to others. I'm a six on the Enneagram. If any of you are Enneagram people, I hate it with a passion. I hate being a six. And, and one of my weaknesses is that I lean too much into other people. And, and so I'm, if, if they're good and they're good with me, then I'm good. But what happens when those other people drop me? Right? What happens when they let me down, which they all are? I mean, some of us, we're going to look to, we have hustled and worked, and we've got a bank account that's going to take care of some down seasons. But, but what happens when the stock market crashes and our retirement's gone? What happens when we don't get the job in two months or four months or six months and the savings is gone? Right, we, we all look to someone or something that is bigger than the fear to be the answer. The problem is all of these things that I just said, they're, they're shaky ground. They can't carry the weight of our fears and anxieties. It's, it's not built that way. We're setting ourselves up for greater fall and greater hurt if our trust and our confidence is in something that cannot carry us. So what is it that the psalmist trusts in? We go back to verse one. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. 
God is our, our refuge. He is our safe place. He literally is a place for us to hide and have safety. He is our strength. He will give us what we need. He will provide what we need to keep going. He is our very present help in trouble. Therefore, because this is who God is, I'm not going to fear. In, in the verses 4 and 5, it gives us kind of the image of a river. And in this imagery, the river is God and the city of God are the people of God. And so you've got this river whose streams are flowing through the city of God, making glad the people of God. And it's this river, God, who's in the midst of, in the presence of the people, that is the source of strength and refuge for the people. So not so much today as was in in previous days, but a long time ago, cities were built near a body of water. Right, so you would find major cities built along a river or along a body of water because in one sense, they were a natural form of protection from other enemies. So if I build my, my, king, my castle around this river, someone's got to go across the river to get to me. So it's, it's a natural form of refuge, of protection. It also then becomes a natural source of life. You've got to have water to live. And so this river was a literal, tangible refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And God is saying, I'm like that river. I am a real, present help in trouble. I will give you protection. I will give you strength. I am the answer. Here's the great thing about rivers. When someone's like, hey, let's build a city right here next to this river, no one's thinking like, hey, let's build a river so that it'll be our protection. The river is just the river. It's just there. God is who he is. Our ability to have confidence is not so much based on us. It's based on who he is. Because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, we have what we need. We don't have to muster up the strength. It's just who he is. And so God is this refuge and strength. He is the bigger thing than the fear. He is the firm foundation that we can stand on and will not crumble or give way. God alone can carry the weight of our fears and anxieties. So no matter what's happening around us, we do not have to fear because of who God is. So let me be honest here. I struggle with this passage. I struggle with it because I love the idea of it, but then practically, I'm like, look, I get a river, right? I, 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 can, kick, you know, I can kick the water, I can throw a rock, like the river is there, but is God really here? Like is God as present as the river downtown is? See, as tangible as that river. So that's where my struggle is. And so I ask three questions. One, is God big enough to handle the weight of my fears and anxieties. Because I've, I've had some dark days in the last few years where I honestly, I mean, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what I thought anymore. I didn't know what I believed. And I was like, God, are you big enough? Like, for real? Because this is, this is the worst thing. I, this is the hardest thing for me. Are you really big enough? Second question then, are you really present? So it's one thing if I'm able to catch Molly when she jumps in. It's another thing if I'm not there. Right, I might be able to catch her, but if I'm off eating a hot dog and she jumps in the pool, it does, me no good. it does her no good that I'm able to catch her. So my next question is, all right, God, if you're able, are you really here? When the rubber hits the road and everything blows up, like, are you for real present? My third question is, if yes to both, what the heck then? Because I don't get it. So the first question, is he big enough 
when we read the Old Testament, I'm just going to give some verses. If you want to write them down, you can check it later. Um, the answer is yes. When we read the Old Testament, we see this common theme that God is big enough. Nothing is too difficult. The, the Israelites are fleeing Egypt, and they get to the Red Sea. It's literally a body of water, and the Egyptian army is crashing down, and God's like, hey, Moses, stick your staff in there. I'm going to do something that's never been done before. He sticks his staff in. Pff, the sea parts on both sides. They walk across on dry land. So yeah, God's, God's able we see in Isaiah 40, verse uh, 12, um, in 25 through 26, one of my favorite chapters where God's just like, who, who has measured the, the waters in the hollow of his hands? Like, I did this before. I can hold about a cup of water in the palm of my hands. Um, that's not going to do so much in filling the oceans and the rivers and the seas and the lakes. And yet God holds the waters of the earth in the palm of his hands. It says, he has marked off the heavens with a span. I forget, I did this, I, I, Someone else did the research, not me, of how many like trillions of light years there are in our galaxy. Um, and, and a span is the measurement. It's one of two things. It's either from the end of your middle finger to your thumb, like that's a span. Or if you want to be generous and say like, oh, let's be generous with God, the span is from middle finger to middle finger stretched out. So let's just say that's how God measured the trillions of light years of galaxies and universe and whatever. And he just like, just set it out there. It says in, later in Isaiah 40 that he has named each star, that not, not one of them moves without God's command. Right? If, we, if we were to all wake up early tomorrow morning and be like, hey, we're going to go watch the sunrise. Dad Gummit, we're waking up early. Let's go. And none of us is going to think like, we may think like, that's crazy. I don't like to wake up early. But none of us is going to think, that's just stupid. The sun's not going to rise. Like, what a risk you're taking, <laughs> you fool. No, like the sun's going to rise in the morning because that's what it does. And we trust that without question. Why don't we trust the one who causes the sun to rise? Right, the one who's behind the movement of this planet in orbit so that the sun rises each morning. Right, so we can trust that God's big enough. In the New Testament, if you want to read the end of Mark chapter 4 and chapter 5, some of my favorite just section of scripture where the disciples are on the boat and these disciples are professional fishermen and a storm is crashing in like they're fearing for their lives and Jesus is taking a nap like underneath because that's what Jesus does. He naps in the middle of a storm and they're like, Jesus, what's the deal, man? Don't you care? What the heck? Like they're asking this question. He's like, and he talks to the wind and the waves like, stop it. And it just stops. The wind and the waves obey Jesus. And then they get to shore and there's this demon-possessed man that no one's been able to control. And the demon comes in fear before Jesus. And in a word, Jesus casts out the demons. And then you've got this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And it says she spent all of her money on doctors and no one can figure out an answer. And no one has the answer for her. And she touches the robe of Jesus and she's healed instantly. And then the next thing you've got is a, is a little girl who's dead, the ultimate powerful force on this planet, death. And Jesus goes and he wakes the girl from death. And so we see that God is able, that nothing is too difficult for him. The greatest evidence is the resurrection of Jesus. That he took on the full weight of our sin and the sin of the world, and it was buried in a tomb with that sin, and he left it there and he walked out alive. Nothing is too difficult for God. He is able, whatever our circumstance is, he is able. So then we ask, is he present? In Exodus, again, chapters three and four, you see God telling Moses to go and tell Pharaoh, hey, let my people go. And Moses is like, God, no, 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 no. Like, I'm, I'm a 
fugitive from there. I killed a man. I can't go back there. Like, and I got all these other issues, and God's like, I'm going to be with you. I got you. Like the confidence that God gives Moses is not a change in circumstance, but just the presence of God with him. He's present. We see in 1 Kings 18, Elijah goes toe-to-toe with 450 prophets of Baal. And he's like, hey, let's see who God is, whose God is real and present. And so he, they build an altar, Baal, the prophets of Baal, and Elijah, the one, they both build altars. And he says, whichever God sends fire from heaven to devour the altar, that's the God that's real and present. So these 450 prophets, they spend all day just praying and doing everything and calling on their God to, to burn the altar. And Elijah, he's got a good sarcastic wit to him. I love it. He's like, maybe God's in the bathroom? Like, may, like literally, that's in the Bible. I love that. Like, maybe, maybe he's going to the bathroom. Give him a minute. Oh, maybe he fell asleep. Nothing happens. Elijah calls out to God. Fire comes down, devours the altar and the water he put around it because God is present and real. And Jesus, we see he's called Emmanuel, God with us. He's present among us. In Acts, when he ascends, it says that he gives us the spirit. The very spirit of God comes and dwells in us. In Romans 8, 32, it says if God would give his son on our behalf, he's, surely he's going to give us everything. Like God's present and with us. Which then brings me to the third question, the question that I think we probably all ask at some point. Okay, God, if you're able and if you're present, then what the heck are you doing? Because I've prayed for a job because I need to pay my bills and I don't have a job. And I prayed for healing because I just can't stand to see my mother suffer and yet she's still suffering. And I've prayed for my friend who is just gone off the deep end and you know what? He still is. And this depression and this anxiety that clouds my mind and my soul and makes me a stranger inside of myself, I've asked you to take it away and it's still there. This brokenness and this hurt, that, that it's, I, I, what, what, what the heck, God? If you're able and you're present, then why are you not doing something? No doubt we've had those thoughts. And I just want to say that's okay. I think the church has become a place where it's, it's, it's not safe to voice that. And then we try to bottle everything in and figure it out on our own, and that's a bad recipe. It's a safe place to not be okay. It's a safe place to, to not have it figured out. It's a safe place to have struggles that, that we don't have answers to yet. The thing is, we're gonna come together and in Jesus, we're not gonna stay there. So just know wherever you are today, that's okay. And it's safe and it's, it's okay if you don't have answers, but let's not stay there. He has so much more for us. And so we gotta ask, what, what the heck? There's three things that, that I think God has told me. Um, One, God's primary goal for us is to be shaped into the image of Jesus. It's not for comfort and ease. I think a lot of times we think that God's here just to make our lives comfortable and easy, to make us successful and rich and happy. And and listen, God has come to bring abundant life, but that is in the image of Jesus. It's not necessarily comfort and ease. And so God will do whatever in order to shape us into the likeness of Jesus, to to build humility in us. And to build humility, he's got to take out our pride. To build a selfless love, he's he's got to call out and remove our selfishness. That's God's primary goal, is to make us into the image of Jesus. So I think a lot of times we have the wrong goal in mind that God has for us. 
I think another thing when it comes to this, like what are you doing, is we like to determine what a time of trouble is. And God's got a different perspective. I can promise you when Molly was learning to, to jump into the pool, th- there came a point when we were like, all right, we got we to gotta let her hit the water and even go under it a bit, right? You got to get past that point. She's thinking, what the heck? Dad, you're going to let me sink. You told me you wouldn't let me sink. Why are you letting me sink? And what I know is, A, she, she's able. She can do this. And B, if it gets to the point where she can't, I'm, I'm going to pick her up. But in her perspective, it's like, what the heck are you doing? So often we look at our trials and our troubles, and from our perspective, this is my issue. I'm like, God, this can't be right. And God's like, trust me. Like, I see it all. I see it bigger. I see what's happening. So we've got to trust his understanding of trouble, not our perspective of trouble. The third thing is, and we all know this, it's oftentimes in the struggle and in suffering that the greatest good comes on the other side. I mean, if you want to grow and develop in anything, as an athlete, as a student, as, as a spouse, th- there's going to come points where you've kind of hit a ceiling, and, and now you've got to, it's going to hurt a little bit as you grow. You, you want to get stronger? Well, you've got to lift weights to the point where you can't lift them anymore so that you can get stronger. You want to learn a new subject? Well, you've got to study to the point where you, you, you don't want to study, and then you keep studying, right? We, it's through those times, it's through the fire that the greatest places of abundance come. So we trust that God has a green pasture and still water, but it just might lead us through the valley of the shadow of death at times. So my answer to the question of, of like, what are you doing is that and God, God is shaping us into the image of Jesus. And then he's teaching us that these lesser loves will never satisfy, and it's creating a longing for the true love of God that only will satisfy. There's a, one of the books I brought up here is called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way by Lisa Turkhurst. And I, I won't read the quote because you don't need to, but it's a fantastic book. Um, highly recommend it. Um, I like to say she's my friend um, because I just felt so connected. Uh, but, you know, it's like, geez, I like this lady, but we're not friends. Um, but if anybody knows her, I'd love to, I'd love to meet her. Um, so anyways, she just talks about how we were, humanity was created in perfection. And one day perfection will be here again. But in the middle where we live, it's broken. And our hearts long for that perfection because that's how we were created. One day it will be there again for all who have faith in Jesus. But in the meantime, God uses the disappointments of life to increase our love and trust in him. So what do we do with this? And we'll end here. This is hard. Faith is hard. Faith is easy when everything's great, right? It's easy when everything's going smooth. But when when the world falls apart, it's tough. Like, it's really, really difficult. So how do we have that faith to endure? He says in verse 8 and 10, two commands. Come, behold the works of the Lord. And then in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Behold and be still. Or flip the other way, be still and behold. We'll never know how great God is if we don't fix our eyes on God. If our view is on everything around us, 
And so he says, come behold how great he is. He says, look at creation. In Psalm 8, David says, man, when I look at the stars, I marvel that you're mindful of me. It's, it's the creation of God that causes David to see the faithfulness of God in his life. And so we can behold God in creation. We can behold God in his word, in reading who he is and what he said for us. We see who God is. We behold God in worship. This is why this gathering matters. It's because we behold God. Mostly we behold God. We see him when we look at Jesus. Jesus is our very present help in time of trouble. He is our refuge and strength. The Bible says that we are all in trouble, that we've all sinned and we've walked away from the very purpose we were created, which is a relationship with God. Every instant of brokenness in this world is because we've walked away from the safety and the refuge of who God is. So we're all in trouble. And none of us can just fix that. None of us can be like, oh, hey, God, I know that I, I walked away from you. Let's just remove that. Um, we, we need someone to do that in our place. And so Jesus has come to be our present help, to be our refuge and strength. And so in his death, he removes that sin. And when we trust him in his resurrection, we're given his new life. He is our refuge and strength, the ultimate safety that we can have is in a relationship with Jesus. And so if you've never trusted Christ, it's not just a, a thought or an idea. And there's a lot of people that believe in God, but don't have a relationship with God. Now, I believe in, I don't know, Tony Romo. I don't know why he came to mind. I, I believe in him, I don't have a relationship with him. I never met him, but I believe he's a real person. I believe that Abraham Lincoln was real, but I never met him. It's, it's one thing to believe, it's one thing to trust and to have a relationship in someone. I can believe that that chair is gonna hold me, but if I don't ever sit on it, then I don't actually trust it. Just believe the design of it. Do we have a relationship with God? The only way we do that is by trusting Jesus to do that for us, to restore our relationship with the God of this world. I think our biggest issue the biggest reason we have anxiety and fear and we struggle is that we don't behold who God is. We have a far too little view of God. And the reason we have a far too little view of God is the next command, be still and know that I am God. And this is my biggest issue. Like I'm, if, if, my, if I'm designed to, to look at God, it, 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 I have a real hard time seeing God if this is what I'm doing, right? If I'm just going from thing to thing and I'm trying to glance over there on occasion, right? Like I, I can't, that's how we live our lives all the time. We're just flooded with stuff all the time. And the idea of sitting and being still, I mean, we feel it here, right? If, if the music stops for like 20 seconds, well, time out, something's wrong here. Like I can't handle the silence and the stillness. We, we as a culture, we don't know how to do it. I get there and I'm like, okay, I need to, I'm gonna spend time with God, my to-do list. I need to work on the sermon and then I need to do this, right? And I'm like, well, the sermon's a good thing, right? I should work on that. But if I don't spend time with God, it's, I've got my priorities out of order. And, we're, and it's not that we don't have the time. We have the time. Gosh, we have the time. It's just that we fill the time with Netflix or social media, don't get me started, or, you know, the gym or golf or people and those aren't bad things, but they can't take the time of God. We're always gonna be anxious and fearful and worried if we don't be still and behold. But we just, 
and we think that we can just keep going, 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 and it's going to work out for us. It's not. It's not. We know. We've tried it. I think that's our biggest thing is that we just don't be still and behold. Over the next few months, um, we're going to talk about what have we been calling practices of purpose, right? If you want to be a triathlete, you're going to have to put some practices in your life in order to swim, bike, run, you know, like you're going to have to do some things. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. You want to have a great relationship with a spouse, whether you're married or one day, and you're going to have to put some practices in place. You have to spend time with that person. You have to look them in the eye and have conversations we're not just going to accidentally drift into this vibrant, thriving relationship with God one day. Like, oh, I didn't put any effort in this. And look at this. Like, I'm just thriving with God. It's not going to happen. We, we've got to put some practices in place. A book that, that we've read and we've passed out to some people, and we're going to do a Zoom book study, book club on, starting on Thursday the 24th. is called The Common Rule. Um, so if you want to do a book club Zoom study on Thursday nights, uh, this would be a great one. Uh, if you just want to get it and read it, the, the, the author had a breakdown. I mean, he just lost it. And um, what, what his premise is, is that we all live with habits, practices. We're shaped by them. But more often than not, they shape us. Like we're just, we're controlled by these habits that are kind of placed on us. And he says, why don't we take control of our habits so that we shape them? We determine where we're going. And so he created these habits that are designed to help him love God and love others more. And so um, I just, it's a great book. We're going to be talking more about practices of purpose in our life. Uh, because here's the deal. Psalm 46 just makes it incredibly clear that the answer to what we're looking for is the presence of God. And, and you may not believe that today, or you may be like, I don't, you know, like I do, but I don't. Um, and that's all right. Um, again, we're just not going to stay there. We're going to keep moving. But uh, I believe that answer that we're looking for is the presence of God. And if God is infinite, the God who created everything and numbers all the stars and whole, then I've just got to believe that our experience of God thus far is far less than what he has to offer us. I just think there's so much more for us to know in God. The power of the risen Savior in us, like there's got to be more. And so that's our, that's our aim. That's where we're going, um, especially this semester we're going to focus on that. Because we don't have to fear. We don't have to be anxious. Yeah, the world around us is chaos, but we don't have to be afraid. The presence of God offers to be with us, the God who is over all of it. And we have that in Jesus, who is our very present help in trouble and who offers us new life in him. And so that's my hope for us, is that we'll know him um, closely. And I just want to pray for us, um, and then we want to continue to, to worship um, in song um, for a little bit longer, and just tell God, listen to him about who he is, and praise him. So let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Um, just pray that you will make it really clear to us. Speak to us, God. Let us know how great you are and what you have done for us in Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.